Genesis 35 this morning, I want to preach to you about the funeral of a false god. The funeral of a false god. Typically, when some folks die, you have a funeral service and you bury them. Well, that's exactly what happened here in Genesis 35, although these uh, false gods that were buried, they was dead already. They was dead already. So let's look at that for a little while this morning. Genesis 35, verse 1. And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell there, and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Then Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean, and be clean, and change your garments. Don't even dress the way that you used to. Change your garments. Put some different clothes on. And let us arise and go up to Bethel. And I will make there an altar unto God who answered me in the day of my distress and was with me in the way which I went. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand and all their earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the oak that was by Shechem. And they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them, and they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob, the funeral of a false god. Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us this morning. God, pray that you'd help me, Lord, for a little while this morning. God, as long as you'd have me to preach, God, I pray that you'd help me to preach as I ought. God, pray that you'd give me direction and leadership, God, here in the moment this morning. And God, pray that you'd help these that are here. God, folks have come from all over the place, God, to hear a word from the Lord. And God, I pray that you'd give it to them, Lord, through my mouth this morning. Help them. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The funeral of a false god. Here's some instructions to Jacob. And if you know anything about Jacob, Jacob was not the most honest fellow. Jacob, the name Jacob means liar, supplanter, deceiver. Now, my name is Nathan, and my name means, it means gift of the king. And sometimes I really feel like my name means liar, supplanter, deceiver. Hmm? That's, what, that's about how I feel sometimes. And that's what Jacob's name means. And boy, Jacob had a reputation to live up to, and he certainly lived up to it. He was a liar. He was a supplanter. He always trying to get over on somebody. When he left his pappy-in-law, Laban, and headed away from Laban's house, he complained about how bad Laban treated him. But what he failed to tell his wives, you know, he's trying to convince them, come on, let's go, let's get out of here. Your daddy ain't treated me right. Hmm? But what he had failed to tell his wives is how he had taken advantage of his, da- his daddy-in-law over and over Laban had changed his wages 10 times, but that was because Jacob was cheating him out of everything he had. Huh? Man, we always tend to tell the things that present us in the best light. Oh, man, this old so-and-so, they're treating me so bad. That's because you're stupid. That's because you're a jerk. Oh, not me. Yeah, me. I know that's certainly the case about me. Mm-hmm, absolutely. If you can't say amen about that to yourself, I know that's the case with me at least. Stupid, right here. Fool, ignoramus. Yes, sir, the reason I get most of what I get in life as far as trouble, hmm, heartache, depression, discouragement, it's because I'm retarded. I'm sorry, that's the R word. My bad. Retarded. I'm just retarded. 
And I killed the service with the R word. Be all right. Uh, that's me. I'm not even calling you names this morning. I'm calling myself names. You can say amen to that. You can say amen to that. See? Even my wife can say amen to that. But see, liar. That's who Jacob was. But you know what God had told him here in, Isaac, in Genesis chapter 35? God, verse 1, said unto Jacob, Arise and go back to Bethel. Go up to Bethel. He'd been there once before. Now, the word Bethel means house of God. Beth means house. El, E-L, Elohim, that means the Lord. It means God. Bethel, house of God. You remember when Jacob was coming away? I, I don't know if you know about this story or not. I hope you do. I hope you've at least read through it at least once or twice in your life. But in Genesis chapter 28, Jacob is running from his brother. And as he's running from his brother, boy, he takes off and he's running about like a lot of us have done our whole life, just running from trouble and running from trouble. You know, if you're the one that's causing trouble, you can run from it as far as you can, but trouble's going to follow you. That's because everywhere you go, it's right there with you. Trouble is not in your circumstances. Trouble is in your heart. It's in your heart, and the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Boy, if, it, if trouble's right down in there, everywhere you go, boy, that trouble's just going to be right there. But boy, old Jacob got running from his brother one day. Esau was ready to kill him, and he went over there, and he got tired, and he was tired of running for the day, and he laid his head down. He didn't even have a pillow filled with feathers to lay his head on. He pulled an old rock up there and laid his head down. Kind of reminds me of an old cowboy out west. And he got out there and he laid his head down. And all of a sudden, he began to see something as soon as he went to sleep. I'm not talking about a 900-foot Jesus. But he sure did see a ladder that touched the earth and went all the way up into heaven. And the Bible says that he said he saw some angels ascending and descending on that ladder. And he woke up the next morning and he said, Surely the Lord was in this place and I knew it not. He said, here I am running from my brother. My brother's trying to get me and trying to kill me. And he said, man, I'm running from God as hard as I can. I'm running from my brother as fast as I can. Laid my head down here just to get a little bit of rest so I can run a little bit further. And lo and behold, God's right here with me. You know what he did? He pulled an old rock up there and he took some oil out and he poured it on there. He said, God, he said, if you'll let me get back here, he said, I'll come back here and worship you when I come back around. And now God has got him. Boy, time has gone away. Here's seven chapters later, seven chapters later. You know how far you can get from God in seven chapters worth of your life? A lot of stuff can happen in seven chapters. You sat down this morning and began to write a book, and it went out through seven chapters. I guarantee you could describe with great detail how far you've gotten from God or how far it's possible for you to get from God. But I tell you what, here came a situation seven chapters later. He far removed about seven weeks maybe. Hmm? Seven days. No, it was a lot longer than that. He was working for them wives. Both of them wives that he got. Jacob got a raw deal, boy, I tell you. Jacob, you don't talk about getting cheated. Jacob got cheated. He told old Laban, he said, boy, he said, that, that young gal that you got there, that your daughter, she's a fine looking gal. That's what he said. She was, she was a beautiful young lady. He said, that's a fine looking gal. He said, I'll I'd like to have her. Laban said, what will you give me for her? See, daddy's in the Old Testament was a lot smarter than daddy's in the New Testament. My father-in-law, my father-in-law, bless his heart, I, I love my father-in-law. He's the only one I got, so I ain't got no choice. But 
But I love him. He, boy, when, when me and Heidi wanted to get married, I wanted to buy her a ring, and I didn't have hardly two nickels to rub together. And I had an old Victrola. I had one of those hand crank uh, things that you roll up, and you let that thing unwind. And I got some, uh, I almost said DVDs. They're not DVDs, records. I put them on there, you know, and it turned on. And it, no electricity required. I know that's hard to believe, but there was a time when people didn't have electricity. And so I got a piece of furniture from that period of time, many, many, many millenniums ago. No, I'm just kidding. But I had that thing sitting there, and my father-in-law said, uh, he said, how much you need for an engagement ring? And so I told him what I was planning on getting. He said, you want me to buy that Victrola from you? I said, that thing ain't worth what an engagement ring's for. He said, I'll buy it anyway. He gave, me, he gave me the money to buy her ring. And then years later, he came and gave me that thing back. I think he was just wanting to get rid of his daughter. That's the impression that I got, but I don't know about that. I, I, call, I told Heidi, Heidi was looking around the house trying to get rid of things, and she said, you want to get rid of that thing sitting up there? I thought about it. I said, yeah, let me call you daddy. <laughs> Maybe he'll buy it from me again. He <laughs> better not be trying to give me nobody else. He ain't got no kids to get rid of. Anyways, all that. I, anyways, fe fellas in the Old Testament. I said all that to say fellas in the Old Testament. Father-in-laws in the Old Testament had better sense. They didn't, they didn't give you money. You gave them something. That's right. That's the way to do it, fellas. Y'all fellas that got daughters, when it comes time to ox, I mean, give them away or, you know, give them to be a bride, whatever the case is. What you want to do is get something in exchange for that thing, right? And that's what Laban said. Laban said, hey, he said, what will you give me for? He said, Jacob said, hmm, I'll work for seven years. Laban said, boy, seven years, I can get a good deal out of that. He said, I'll take it. And lo and behold, here comes, rolls around the end of seven years, and he says, all right, time for a wedding. And he gives this gal to him, but it ain't Rachel. It wasn't the one that was good looking. It was the other one who was not so good looking. Wakes up in the morning, however that takes place, and says, huh, what's this? Runs out there to his runs out there to her daddy and says, hey, you tricked me. He said, well, it's a custom in our country not to give the younger before the elder. He says, but I'll give her to you for seven more years. <laughs> you say, what is that? That's a cheater getting cheated. Boy, but you know what? The whole time, that whole time that he's being cheated and Jacob, the scoundrel that he is, the whole time that he's being cheated and he's cheating others, God's with him every step of the way. Boy, it don't look like it, boy. It don't look like God's blessing what he's doing. I mean living like a scoundrel, like a lot of Christians live. God with them every step of the way. Boy, it sure don't look like God's with them. They just have a wreck of a life sitting behind a man. Just everything they touch turns to mud. Don't turn to gold. They don't have that Midas touch. They got that mud touch. Everything that turned, that touch just falls apart. But you know what's true about them nonetheless? God with them every step of the way. And one day, God comes and taps Jacob on the shoulder and says, Don't you think it's time to get up and go back to Bethel where you saw me the first time? 
And you know what? God had worked out his circumstances. God had worked out his circumstances to where he was tired of sitting around where it was that he was sitting. He had, God had let all that stuff just boil right up around his own throat. Man, just stuff with his father-in-law going the way that it was going. Stuff with his now two wives and two concubines. I mean, for Lord have mercy, somebody that's following God. I mean, you shouldn't be engaged in that kind of mess, but there Jacob was. I don't recommend you look at the life of Jacob and try to be a Christian like Jacob was. Not a very good Christian, but I'm telling you, God was with him. Don't you think it's time to go back where you saw me the first time? All that stuff had boiled up right around his own throat. Man, things, just the pressure of life was getting to him. Boy, I'm sure Jacob's sitting there and thought about that thing. God came and tapped him on the shoulder and said, Arise, go back to Bethel. And Jacob said, Man, there ain't no competition. I'm going. There ain't nothing here for me in Laban's house. I done got his two daughters. He ain't got no more daughters to give. Hmm? Just... Sucked it bone dry, just stayed around that well as long as he could get something out of it. He got to the place where he said, man, there ain't nothing else for me to get. I'm going back to Bethel. Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. Well, you know, he packed his bags and went, but you know what? When he saw those two gals sitting over there and their handmaidens, he looked over there and he didn't say, hey, what y'all think about going to Bethel? That's not what he said. Look at what he said. He said, verse 2, he said, Then Jacob said to his household and to, them, to all them that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you and be clean. Change your garments. Arise and let us arise and go up to Bethel. Jacob said, Pack your bags. We're going. We're getting right with God. Now listen, we talked this morning in Sunday school, we talked this morning about fellas leading their house, about fellas not only having authority, but taking responsibility for what goes on in their home. And I tell you, fellas, the best way you can take responsibility for what's going on in your house is you take the first step in getting right with God. Amen. You get right with God. You say, Brother Nathan, my wife is not quite right with God. That's probably because she's the good little wife that, she wants, that you want her to be, and she's been following your lead. The reason your wife might be backslid this morning, I know it's hard to believe that there would be any ladies in here this morning, sweet, nice, polite little ladies that y'all are sitting in here. Hard to believe that you'd be sitting in here backslid. No, I know. I guarantee you. There's grand possibility some of you sitting in here cold on God. Fellas, before you start throwing stones at her, let me just say, why don't you get right with God? Why don't you take the first step, step out by faith? Brother Nathan, you don't know what it's going to cost me. You don't know what it's going to cost you if you don't. Take the first step. Arise. Let's go back to the house of God. Let's get back to that place where you were several years ago. Man, when God was speaking to your heart and God was dealing with you and you were seeing things left and right out of the scripture and you was praying and getting your prayers answered. Rise, let's go back to Bethel. Go on back. Let's go back to Bethel. Get back to the house of God. What you find out is that if you head back to the house of God, that little old wife of yours probably just fall right in line behind you and say, wherever you're going, we go. Listen, let me tell you something, ladies. God have mercy on the lady. God have mercy on the kids whose daddy try and get right with God. And mama and kids fight him the whole way. God have mercy on your soul. Daddy said, boy, I'm going to get this trash out of my home. I'm going to get right with God. I'm going to take the TV and take it out back and shoot it. I'm just testing the waters right there. Just seeing how vigorous we were. 
I'm going to get right with God. I'm going to take my old dirty rotten cell phone and flush it down the commode. I don't recommend you do that. That'll destroy your septic tank. I'm going to get rid of my cell phone. We can't do that. How's mom and daddy going to get a hold of me? Well, I don't know. Maybe that's what you need to do to get right with God is get away from your mom and daddy. Hmm? You know what holds a lot of families back? Mamas and daddies. I'm talking about grandmas and grandpas. Listen, grandmas and grandpas that are sitting in here, don't hold your family back. Don't hold them. Don't hold sons and daughters or son-in-laws and daughter-in-laws. Don't hold them back when they're trying to get right with God. Let them get as right with God. You say, but they're getting rid of stuff they don't need to get rid of. Let them go. They'll figure it out. It's, it's worse to hold on to something that you're not supposed to have than to get rid of something that's okay to have. Man, just let them get rid of it. They'll find out that they wasted $500 getting rid of all that stuff they didn't have. But that's okay. At least they're trying to live by faith. Man, I don't have a good conscience about this thing. Boy, I don't have a good conscience about this thing. So I'm just going to throw it out anyway. Do it. Throw it out. Yes, sir. Boy. Maybe not so zealous about that this morning. You say, what are you talking about? Putting away the strange gods that are among you. You know what? You know what Jacob found out? You know what Jacob knew before he even took the first step to go back to Bethel? Before the fella took the first step in trying to get right with God. God dealt with his heart and said, arise. Go back to Bethel. Jacob knew in the back of his mind it was going to be very hard to go back to Bethel with a false god in his back pocket. It's going to be very hard to go back to Bethel. Try to trust the Lord down there at Bethel while you're holding on to the horoscopes. Hmm? You're trying to go back to Bethel and trying to be right with God, but playing the lottery. It's going to be very hard to go back to Bethel with a beer in your back pocket. You're not going to be able to do it. Hmm? That old... Uh, Illicit substances, illegal substances, they call them. Now they're all legal just about. Hmm? Going to be hard. I'm telling you, it's going to be hard to go back to Bethel and worship God. Yes, sir. Going to be hard to go back and worship God. Going to be hard to go back and worship God with your cocaine, your heroin, your marijuana. Oh, it's legal. Who cares? Uh, since when? Since when? does legality as far as the nation's concerned. Since when did that become the standard for how Christians live? Well, back in the early ages, listen, and listen, that goes, that goes for your tobacco too. But listen, that stuff, back in the early Christian ages, back in the early Christian ages, Caesar was putting Christians to death. That was legal. You want to live under that? Well, it's legal, Brother Nathan. I mean, we're allowed to do it. Now you've got a situation where homosexuality is legal in this country. Since, since when did, was that the standard of Christian living? Here's where your standard's supposed to come from. See, I'm not telling you, listen, you, you live in a free country. As far as, as far as doing what you want to do, you do whatever you want to. But we're not talking about living in a free country. We're talking about getting back to Bethel. We're talking about getting back to the presence of God. And listen, as far as living goes, as far as being an American, as far as being a man or a woman that lives in this country, it's a wonderful place as far as that's concerned. And man, I thank God for the liberty. Listen, I'm not telling you what you have to do as far as living in this country, what you can and can't do. You want to be a homosexual, you help yourself, not me. 
But I will say this, you're not going to be able to be a, go back to Bethel and hang out at God's house. You're not going to be able to hang out in God's presence messing around with that filth. Yes, sir. You just can't do it. You just can't do it. You can't hang out. You can't ha hang out back at Bethel. You know what? Look here in Genesis 35, verse 1. He said, And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. Don't just go up there and just hang out for one or two days. Go back there and stay there. Hey, when you get right with God, listen, one of the things I've been thinking about this week is, uh, folks, a lot of folks, I believe with all my heart, are dying backslid. They're dying backslid. I'm talking about when they get up in their golden years, as they're called, they're getting out of church and just getting crossways with God, getting apathetic and getting cold. Boy, I've been giving a lot of thought this week to the fact that God, Lord, help me get right and stay right. God, help me to get right and stay right. Help me, Lord, not to get right and have this up and down Christian life and up and down Christian experience and then get right. And then once I get a little bit older in my older years, if I got any money, I'll let that money pull my heart away from God. Man, I don't want to live that way. God told Jacob, he said, man, get back to Bethel. And when you get back there, Stay there. Stay right there where the presence of God is. Brother Nathan, I just don't know what I should do as far as my Christian life is concerned. I just don't know where I should live. I'll tell you where to live, right where God is. Figure out where God is, get right there, and stay there. I'll tell you this, it's not a geographical location. It's a place in your heart. It's a disposition of your heart. And I tell you, you're not going to get back to Bethel without God's book. Jacob could not get back to Bethel without God speaking to him. The thing that prompted Jacob to get right with God was, if you will, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. God coming and talking to him. I'm going to get back to the house of God all by myself. You ain't going to get back to the house of God if God don't poke and prod you and say, hey, it's time to go back. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Believe what's going on with a lot of people nowadays is that folks is getting saved without getting under conviction of their sin, without being convinced that they're sinners on their way to hell. You, if you haven't trusted Christ, listen, I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm not trying to be unkind. But I'm going to just tell you as plainly as it's listed there in the scripture, if you haven't trusted Christ as your savior, you are on your way to a devil's hell. I don't care what grandma says. I don't care what your favorite preacher said or your unfavorite preacher. I certainly don't care what Joel Osteen said. It don't make no difference. None of that stuff makes any difference. What makes a difference is what God said. And God said, if you haven't trusted his son, Jesus, you're going to hell. Jesus died for your sin. You can trust him. But see, you've got to have a reason to get to Jesus. And that's what's lacking. What's lacking is a reason to get to Jesus. A lot of folks don't want to come to Christ because what do I need Jesus for? I'll tell you why. Because you're a sinner. Amen. Let me tell you something. I want you to change the sign. You still want to do that? I want you to change the sign. Here's what I want on one side. Sin is still the problem. Amen. On the other side, I want Jesus Christ is still the answer. Amen. Yes, sir. Because that's what the issue is. The issue is not the presidency not the White House. That's a symptom of a much deeper problem. You know what Biden's problem is? He's a sinner. He lost. Oh, no, I think, I think Biden's saved. Well, I'm not going to dedicate my sermon to figuring out where, whether Biden's saved or lost. But I tell you, 
If he lost, that's a big problem. That's where all the problems coming from. Mm -hmm. You know what's wrong with Congress? Lost people. You know what's wrong with the Supreme Court? Lost people. That's where the problem is. Well, what do I need Jesus for? You're a sinner. That's, it. that's what your problem is. Brother Nathan, what do I need to get right with God for? Because you're a sinner. You're not in fellowship with him. Amen. Amen. Let me ask you something. Let me ask you something just real straight. You got any joy in your heart? You got any peace in your heart? Hmm? Where's the righteousness in your life? You say, well, Brother Nathan, I don't really have too many of those. You need to get right with the Lord. You know what? Boy, when you're right with God, boy, there's peace in your heart. There's joy down in your heart. Boy, do you let come hell or high water. Man, let come what may. And boy, it's tragic, whatever, what may come. I'm not trying to make light of that. Let whatever may come, just let it come on. And boy, it'll be tough to take. But I'm telling you, somewhere deep down in your heart, there's some little bells that keep on jingling in spite of all that stuff. You say, what is that? That's a product of being saved and living right in obedience to God. You say, what is that? That's a product of going back to Bethel. Going back to Bethel. You know what some of you probably need to do this morning? You need to find a place where you can get back to Bethel. You need to get on back to the house of God. Get on down there and stay there. And you know what he told him to do when he got there? He said, Arise, go up to Bethel, verse 1, dwell there, and make there an altar unto God. You know what you do at an altar? You worship. You worship. You know what a lot of Christians are missing out on? Worshiping God. You know, why you, you know why a lot of Christians can't worship the Lord like they need to? There's no sacrifice. You don't worship God without a sacrifice. And let me say, first and foremost, the ultimate sacrifice that's been made that enables a man to worship is the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made right there on the cross of Calvary. That's not a symbol of life. That's a symbol of death. That's an implement of death. Nothing magical. I think I said it last Sunday. Nothing magical about this little cross right here. Any cross. But that's a symbol of death. That's where a man laid down his life. Not just any man. The Son of God. God manifest in the flesh. That's where he laid down his life for my sins and for your sins. That's the sacrifice. That's the sacrifice that enables a man to worship. But I tell you this. Romans chapter 12 said that you're supposed to present your bodies a living sacrifice. You know, Brother Pedro, when God deals with my heart about doing something and being obedient in a, ter a particular place in my life, be that reading my Bible or praying or witnessing, I use those because those are common things that God deals with me about. And, you know, doing this, hey, you need to go give a track to this guy, you need to go talk to this guy. Boy, those are common things that the Lord talks to me about. And, boy, when I don't obey, it's real hard to come back after that and fall down on my knees and worship the Lord after a situation like that. Huh? It's real hard. It's real hard to fall down on my knees and begin to worship God when I've been using my tongue for things it ain't supposed to be used for. Hmm? Gossip or bickering, fussing and complaining, unthankfulness. Oh, God, I want to come and worship you. God said, I'm not interested until you get right. Hmm? You need to rise and go back to Bethel. And when you get back there, stay there and make an altar. Make an altar. Get back to Bethel and make an altar. Make there an altar unto the God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Listen, when you got saved, 
Listen, I don't know what kind of physical trouble you were in. I don't know what kind of situation you were in as far as physical things go. But I know this about every single one of you. You was on your way to a devil's hell and you was running from it. Whether you realize it or not, you was running from that place of death. Yes, you were. You were running from that place of death. Hmm? God told Jacob, he said, when you was running from that trouble, I appeared to you. You was on your way to a devil's hell. God, in his mercy, he appeared to you. Amen. He said, hey, here I am. Here I am. All you got to do is just trust me. You know where some of you need to go? You need to go right back to that place where God showed up to you the first time. You say, what is that? That's Bethel. That's the house of God. That's a house of God. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of thy brother. Jacob said, okay, we're going. I'm going back to the house of God. And then all of a sudden, Jacob remembered that when he was running from his, grand, his, his step-pappy, old Laban, he remembered that Laban came out hot after him and said, what you doing taking my gods with you when you left? He said, you didn't even give me an opportunity to kiss my two daughters goodbye, and you took my gods with you. Jacob said, took his gods? That's what Jacob said in the moment. He said, I took your gods. He said, I'll tell you what, you go through all of my stuff and you look for it. Huh? And lo and behold, Laban goes through all those tents, and he comes into Rachel's tent. And Rachel's sitting down on a basket. And she said, Pardon me for not getting up, but she said, the custom of women is upon me. And so Laban looked around, didn't see anything, and he went out. You know what she had hidden in that basket? Laban's gods. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. She had it hid right there in the basket. Oh, my soul, what are we going to do about this now? Jacob, you know, Jacob in the moment when Laban came out of that tent Boy, Jacob gave him the what for. He said, man, what do you think you're doing? And blah, blah, man, just flew off the handle like all of us fellas do. I mean, just let him have it. And Laban said, boy, I come to give you the what for. He said, but your God showed up to me last night and told me not to lay a finger on you. He said, let's just go our separate ways. And so they went their separate ways. And old Jacob goes down the road and he thinking about that thing. Took his gods. I ain't took his gods. I'm a practical atheist for all intents and purposes. He basically was. The God that he had was the God of his daddy and his granddaddy, Isaac and Abraham. It's the only God that he knew. Other than that, he wasn't worshiping no gods, as far as the scripture says. But boy, he sure thought about that thing. And then, lo and behold, he probably walked into Rachel's tent one day and saw this little fat Buddha sitting up there on the counter. Where'd you get that from? My daddy's house. Finally dawned on him. They do have some false gods in their house. So now God come to Jacob and said, hey, it's time to go back. It's time to get right with God. Let's go back to Bethel. You need to go back and get right with me. Jacob said, yes, sir, I'm going and I'm getting right. And then all of a sudden he thought about that little totem pole. Huh? That little Cherokee Indian totem pole that he got sitting in there because everybody in Folkestone is part Cherokee Indian. Hmm? I mean, people so white, they're clear, and they part Cherokee Indian. 
I'm one three hundred and twenty-seven and whatever Indian. Man, Indian's been eradicated from your blood. Man, you ain't got no Indian in you nowhere. But I tell you what, if you got Indian in you, come talk to me. We'll go talk to the government and get you a check. You got tithe on it, though. <laughs> I tried. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, Jacob said, boy, I'm, I'm going back to get right with God. And then he remembered that false God. And he went out there to his wife and he said, hey, we're going back. Let's go back. Let's go back. He said, those false gods that you got, you need to put them down. He said, let me have them. And he went out there under an old oak tree, place where you have, this ain't no oak tree sitting out over here, but place where you have a funeral. You know, you've seen those old Western movies, because I know y'all watch movies, especially Western. John Wayne, whose name I think was Marion. Weird. That's like a boy named Sue. But anyways, here comes out these old Westerners, and boy, they, one of these fellas, one of their buddies gets shot dead, and they go out there underneath a tree, and they dig an old hole. And they put that old fella down in there and they take a little cross and stick that thing into the ground, take his cowboy hat and put it on that cross, say their last goodbyes and they turn and walk away. That's what old Jacob did. No cowboy hat though. Walked out there and dug a hole and he put them false gods under there. The Bible said he hid them. You say, why didn't he just give them away? Why didn't he put them on eBay and sell them? He didn't want nobody else to get taken up with the foolishness. Huh? Over in the book of Acts, I believe it might be chapter 17, might be a little bit before that, Paul and uh, one of his compadres, they're traveling, and boy, they get over there, and they get over there in Thessalonica, and boy, God starts moving, and lo and behold, some demonic activity shows up. And boy, Paul and Barnabas, or whoever it was, I don't remember if it was Barnabas or Silas, but they get over there, boy, they're working. They're working hard. And boy, they get in there, and they start preaching the gospel, and here comes up this influence of evil spirits. And you know what the people of Thessalonica do? They go out there, and they get all these books that deal with all this witchcraft. Hmm. Things like Harry Potter. Things like the Masonic Lodge. Huh? They go back there and they get all that stuff and they bring it out into the town square and they put it right there in the middle of the stuff, right there in the middle of the town square, and they set it on fire. Boy's a lot of money too. They could have put that stuff on eBay and let somebody else had it and had some money in their pocket. They said, No, sir. We want to get right with God. We don't want to be a stumbling block to nobody else. Maybe what we need to do around here in order to get right with God is let's just have us an old-fashioned burning. We've done that around here a time or two. Some folks bring their rock and roll CDs, bring them up here. Of course, just put them in a plastic bag, and we'll take them out, and we'll burn them out there. The EPA will have a fit. We don't care about that. We'll burn them anyway. The Lord will rejoice. That's God's earth. The Lord can take care of the ozone. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We'd take that stuff out. We'd burn it. Maybe you've got some books that need to be disposed of. You know what's going on? A lot of folks want to, I really believe with all my heart, a lot of folks want to get right with God. They're just not willing to give up what it's going to require to get right with God. I know that's been the case with me. God put his finger on something and say, man, you really need to give this up. Ah, well, I'll just be honest, Lord. I really enjoy that. God said, Okay. Give you some time. Hey, how about this? You really need to give this. God will be gracious. Boy, Brother Pedro, God's been very gracious with me about putting his finger on some things and saying, you need to get rid of that. God, I'll be honest. I really like it. Help me. Help me, Lord. God, very gracious. Boy, pick up my Bible the next day and don't even hardly notice a difference, man. God, keep on speaking to me. 
But you let the Lord do that about two or three times and you don't obey. Boy, it's like the voice of God, man. It's like that book would just dry up right in front of you. It's like you get down on your knees and pray and you can't even think clear. Hmm? It's like trying to pray with somebody talking in your ear. Just confusion. I'm sure that's just a coincidence. And then all of a sudden you finally give in and say, God, okay, I'm tired. I'm coming. I'm coming back to Bethel. You take that thing and you take it out and bury it under an oak. Come back in and sit down and open your Bible. And man, it's like I'm in Canaan, man, the land where milk and honey flows. Hmm? You need to get back to Bethel. That's what you need to do. You need to get back to Bethel. Put away, put away the strange gods that are among you and be clean. Change your garments. I don't believe God cares about what somebody wears. You think God cares about what you don't wear? I mean, would God care if you walked around in your birthday suit? I think the Lord would care about that. So then why would you not be, why would you not be convinced that God cares about what you wear? God cares. God cares. When that old high priest got over there and God was setting up the implements of the temple, of the tabernacle rather, God said, you high priest. Oh, ladies can't be a high priest. It was a fellas. Sorry. It's a little discriminatory. He said, when you're going to come into my presence, God said, here's the clothes that you're supposed to wear. You put anything else on and try and get in there, I'm going to kill you. God cares. God cares. God cares what you wear. You should present yourself like a Christian. Present yourself like a Christian. Arise, put away the gods that are among you. Be clean, change your garments. You know what they did? They took them old false gods out there and they buried them underneath that oak tree. I like oak trees. They buried them underneath that old oak tree. Boy, they sat there. I don't even know that they got out there and sang Amazing Grace or leaning on the everlasting. Had, had them a little funeral service of those false gods. That God's already dead. Jacob just got out there and just buried them things underneath that tree. They turned around and they walked away. Didn't notice anything different. They didn't notice anything different. But the moment that they started walking around, these cities started hearing that they, that they was coming. You know what the Bible says? The terror of God fell on all of the cities that were around them. Well, Jacob didn't know that. He didn't know until he got in town. Man, they, them cities sitting around saying, who's that out there? They said, it's Jacob. Boy, we better be real careful. Hmm? You know what would happen if you'd start getting right with God this morning? You know what would happen if you'd make your way back to Bethel, take them false gods and bury them? It would be hard to get back to Bethel, by the way, with a false god in your pocket. I'll have it on me this morning. Some of you, what your false god is, is your money. I don't have that on me neither. My wife spent it all. Just kidding. Some of you, what your God is, is your cell phone. It's going to be hard to get back to Bethel with a false God in your back pocket. What you don't realize is that the moment that you start getting your heart set right about that thing, the terror of God would start falling on those that are around you. Not the terror of you. Not that people be afraid of you. They start looking at you and, oh, that's a Christian. 
That's one of those people that can get out on their knees and pray and get an answer in a hurry. Some of you folks sitting in here, it's been so long. It's been so long. I'm not trying to be a jerk, but it's been so long since you've got out on your knees and prayed and seen God answer it that quick. And it's been so long since you've seen somebody else get on on their knees and pray and get an answer that quick that now you don't believe that God even answers prayer. You've gotten to the place to where you just think that this is just something to do on Sundays and Wednesdays if you come on Wednesdays, if you go to church somewhere on Wednesdays. It just, this is just something that we do to pass the time away. Church is something that we do in the South like eating fried chicken on Sunday. Can I hear an amen? That was the lamest amen I've heard all morning. But you don't believe. You say, why? You're not back at Bethel. You need to get back to Bethel this morning. Now's the time. Might be now or never. Might be now or never. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Going to give you an invitation this morning. God spoke to your heart. Why don't you come and do business with us?